Vegas, baby, Vegas! At the end of the game, you count up your money. That's how you find out who's best. If all my bets were safe, there just wouldn't be any juice. The point spreads, the prop bets, the teasers, the parlays. From Vegas to you, this is Behind the Bets, the college years. Gotta love an underdog when he howls. Now alongside Chris the Bear Felica. Ah yes, a home team getting points. What's better than that? Here's Stanford Steve. We're here. It's week two. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Um, I've, I've let my feelings, uh, known, uh, on the social media sites. I think this week is absolutely disgusting. Bear, when I look at the slate, assess. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it either. <laughs> and going through the, uh, the list again. I'm not saying the games. You got Clemson A&M. No, exactly. Yeah. To South Carolina, plenty of good games. USC, still plenty of good, yeah, and, I, and a really good, like, Second tier games with, with like the Iowa, Iowa State, Arizona State, Michigan State games like that. But in terms of finding attractive betting options, I, I, I dug deep this week. I'll put it to you that way. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I, I don't I don't know how to uh, how to how to line things up. I really don't. I'm really <laughs> really nervous. Uh, went four and one last week. Your tally ended up how? I, I was I was two and three. Got the. Uh, the always, the always uh, interesting field goal down 37 in the fourth mm. quarter as a, as a, as a 30, 31 point underdog, which was, which was a nice job by Coastal, but that's okay. We were on the, uh, we were on the wrong side. That's a, it happens. You, you had a good week. I think Phil had a good week as well. So, uh, you two carried the squad this week and I look to uh, do my part this week. I didn't even get my favorite pick either though, over in that Nebraska game. I thought that was a guarantee winner. Um, so what we're here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have our old friend Jim Donnan, former Georgia coach, national champion Marshall, offensive coordinator back in the heyday, Oklahoma, who knows Georgia, coaching the rivalry, knows SEC better than anyone. We're gonna have him on to discuss Georgia, South Carolina, and Clemson A and M, and then we will get our picks for the week, plus some picks for Coach at the end of our uh, segment with him. But uh, let's get to Coach Donnan uh, breaking down these games, the big games this week. Right now. And we welcome in the College Football Hall of Famer from the class of 2009, former national champion when he was a coordinator at Oklahoma, head coach at Marshall, Jim Don and coach. It's awesome to have you on. Thanks for doing this with us. Well, it's a real thrill to be on with you two prognosticators, the best two in the country. And uh, I know everybody's lucky to have all these tips every week from you guys. Uh, I always enjoyed being around you when I was up there and you guys had a lot of behind the scenes stuff that none of these people ever heard about. Uh, well, we'll, we'll get to you. You know, we'll, we'll do a little story time at the back end, coach, and talk about your old steamers that you used to have. And you and I used to get together on Saturday mornings about 1130 a.m. before those <laughs> noon kickoffs. But I want to dive in. I want to dive in. Uh, obviously, you know the SEC better than anyone. And that's why we're having you on. Uh, let's start with Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, I watched the Georgia tape back against Austin P. I think I think there's some issues up front on the offensive line. They look a little green, but on the other hand, they, Fromm's got plenty of toys to play with. They bring the kid in from Cal first. Uh, it looked like his first touch, jet sweep for a touchdown. Obviously, Swift is the guy in the backfield now. Uh, it just looks like they have weapons with Fromm. When when you when you look at that and combo that with going on the road to Williams Bryce. 
is 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 there a better spot for South Carolina to play Georgia than this week? Yeah, I think it's a good good issue for them from the standpoint of you know three of the last four times uh, we've gone down there we've lost and uh, but we do have a three game winning streak against them the last win against Spurrier and then the last two uh, since Kirby took over but you make a good point against Austin P but I really think our uh, offensive line was very vanilla and the things mm-hmm. we did the other day and played a, a lot of players so we got hurt a little bit in the A gaps with some of our second team unit but you know as both you know when you play a, an overmatched team like that they're going to take chances and do what they can to make you look bad but but this is going to be a heck of a matchup. You know, I think Bentley has really developed as a quarterback. Uh, he's had some trouble in the big games because his sporting cast hasn't been that great. You know, he's one and four against uh, Georgia, Clemson, and uh, Florida, and has only thrown two touchdown passes and like nine interceptions in those games. So it's time for him to step up mm-hmm. in a big game. But I think Gavin Debo Samuel in the back will definitely help him. Who do you think is going to have the bigger – uh, the more difficult time adjusting to stepping up in the competition this week. Is, is it Georgia with all, all the newcomers that they have, uh, especially on defense, or, or is it South Carolina? Just, just that, that game one to game two, going from uh, a, a lower uh, FBS team or an FCS team to, to an SEC team in a week two. How tough is that to, to pull up? I mean, you, you've done it before. Is there, are there a lot of difficulties in preparation going on there? Well, it really is, Bear, but, you know, I've done it and done it well, but I've done it very poorly, too, particularly in South Carolina one year where we threw a lot of picks. But I think the big thing for, for Kirby and this team is the fact they've had tremendous success last year and they really uh, can, uh, you know, kind of keep it going from that standpoint. So many of these guys were involved in those games that they really played well at the end. And I think uh, the leadership factors lost a little bit with Roquan Smith leaving the defense and a couple of these really good backs on offense. But as you know, we've recruited extremely well. There's a lot of good young talent to go with this more experience. But I think two of the key factors for me for George is the fact that uh, last week Tyreek McGee, one of the better secondary guys who plays a lot of different coverages for him and plays a lot of different areas, didn't play. And also uh, – We've got Terry Godwin, who's was the best receiver the last couple of years, has, has not been able to play either. So if both of these guys come down there, that'll help the, not only the fact that they help the, the offense and defense, but also special teams because some of those guys that are playing for them in the regular snaps might get in on special teams. But as you know, both of you guys, uh, this is a, a the kind of game, if you play a divisional opponent, if, if you lose to a divisional opponent, then – you're behind the eight ball because that, that team's got to lose twice. So I think this, for me, is the, definitely the two best East. Uh, coach, when you look at the two uh, head coaches, that we know they're obviously dominant um, defensive minds. Uh, they differ a little bit in their schemes. They're a lot alike to me with the fire they bring, the passion. I love both of the guys. When you when you look to break down like the 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 ideas and the concept these guys use, who do you trust more from a defensive mindset, Kirby or, or Will? Well, I got to say Kirby because I coached him and I live here in Athens. <laughs> but but certainly the one thing that you is a little bit different, even though they started out with Nick, uh, you know, uh, in a lot of ways. But uh, you know, one thing that Will did, he started at Auburn 
under Brother Oliver and learned some different things. But he branched out on his own a little bit and went out to Texas and mm-hmm. then became a head coach and had a little bit of head start. And I think they're, some of their concepts are very similar on defense, but they, they play a little bit more man coverage and don't switch off the guys like we do on our on our combos type stuff. And but I, I think the biggest thing is both of them, as you mentioned, have a lot of fire and passion. Well organized, tremendous recruiters. I mean, both of these guys can go out and get players. Kids like to play for them. And um, I've always been impressed with what Will's been able to do. He just couldn't get over the hump there that second year at Florida. You know, if uh, if for some way that, uh, you know, Southern Cal could have beaten Notre Dame, he'd have been in a national championship game. But I, I think he's really found his niche there in South Carolina. But the biggest problem I see for South Carolina right now is the fact that the two best programs that they got to beat are in the top five in the country, Clemson yeah. in their own state and Georgia in their own division. So he's got a tough road to hoe to catch up with them. But, but I think he's certainly caught up with the rest of the Eastern division. Is this two quarterback thing going to be an issue this this year? Keeping both guys happy is that the type of theme thing where if, uh, I think the team loves Fromm from what I read and hear and uh, getting field to snap is that something that potentially could uh, maybe cost them a game in a, in, in a game like this weekend or later down the road if, if maybe Kirby uh, pulls Jake and puts Fields in and he doesn't do well and then maybe is that a problem trying to keep both guys happy? Well, it could be, uh, Bear, but I, I think the biggest issue there is going to be solved because this guy is a generational talent. Uh, he might mess up a little bit, but I just think he's the kind of guy that can take over a game very quickly with his athleticism and his arm. And the fact that uh, Jake's such a good kid that he doesn't let this bother him either. I mean, he's he's really responded well and had a great fall camp with the competition, and I think it's helped both of them develop. So, yeah, I don't like musical chairs at quarterback any more than either one of you do, but I do feel like that this this is an interesting situation, kind of like the one we see at Clemson with uh, Trevor Lawrence. And both these guys 50 miles apart in the state of Georgia last year, one and two in the country, and quarterback ratings as far as freshmen coming in, and both of them are playing right away for with on teams that have good quarterbacks. So, you make a good point. It could be a problem, but I think Kirby has really nipped it in the bud. The kids really rally around both of them, and uh, I think if I'm a defensive coordinator in this league, I'm hoping that you don't put Fields in the game. I'm just telling you, he's a difference maker. Wow. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> defensive coordinators, beware. Coach got, got your eyes. Coach, let's get down to it. Uh, George is a 10-point favorite. The over-under is around 55. Do you expect – the road team to cover double digits, and, and do you expect a high-scoring game in the process? You know, I'm not near as good at this as you guys oh, are because I'm, I'm just an old, old coach. But I, I do feel like there's a couple issues there. We're going to have to stop stop them and make them be one-dimensional. When you say we, time. you're talking about the dogs. Yeah, okay. I'm, I've got to say we here. Yeah, uh, if I said we and I'm in South Carolina, you'd think I was on something they don't sell in stores here, man. But, but I mean, Georgia's going to have to stop the run and make them one dimensional. They haven't run the ball very well against Georgia the last two years. It's like 450 yards to like 100 in these two games. So if, if they can run the ball at all on us, then that's going to help their their passing game because they really can. Uh, throw the ball down the field but if they're one dimensional we can put our ears back I think it's going to be hard for them to to really do a lot against us and then 
on uh, if they can get us on third and long some, I, that's not one of our best suits either. But when we're first and second and rolling, it's hard to stop this team. The other thing that is a hidden value in this game for me is our kicking game. Mm. It's just out of sight with Blankenship. And we got a punter here, man. When you guys see him, he's a real thunderfoot. I mean, this guy is the best punter I've seen in practice since I've been here in 20 years. And if he if he punts like that in the game, it's going to help him. And they got a good return game. So, But I've seen what's happened in Williams-Brice before. I've seen teams go down there and lose it with prohibited favorites. If we don't turn it over, I think we'll – but this will be a tight fit game. It could go either way. But I got to go with the dogs, and I got to go. I got to give the points. All right, all right, very good. Uh, let's transition over to, to Clemson at A and M. Uh, Jimbo obviously in a big spot. His didn't take long to, to get into the to the big time. You know, in College Station with his old uh, foe Clemson coming in. Um, when I when I look at A and M, I I just see is do you see Jimbo just. This is the way I feel. I just feel like he might be a little too stubborn when his offensive mentality, which might hurt them in a spot this big, knowing how dominant Clemson could be on defense. Yeah, I mean, you look at that wall of China that they got <laughs> over there. Those guys are just unbelievably athletic, and I think it really kind of changed the whole landscape of college football for this season when mm. all those guys decided not to go out and then came back. That really was a big plus for them. But I think one thing, he is, you know, his own man offensively. But the one thing that I'll give him credit for is he went out and hired Daryl Dickey from Memphis, who is really a, a guy that knows how to air it out and do some different concepts in the spread and maybe not be under center as much and mix it up. And that's that's added some value to their offense to go with what Jimbo's always done. But, you know, bottom line, you know, I don't know if he even knew that they were playing Clemson when he took this job, but for $75 million, you can play anybody. So uh, I think the main thing there is the fact that three straight years here, Debo kind of had their number at Florida State, and now they're playing again. And he's got more players than Jimbo, that's for sure. But uh, I, like, I like the fact that uh, he also brought that Elko guy in on defense it gives them some multiple looks there, and they, they might try to confuse Clemson some. But uh, the one thing that all of you know is they've had a hard time winning at home, particularly in the conference games there at uh, when under someone. So I know Jimbo's going to want to switch that around, but it's definitely going to be an electric atmosphere, and uh, I'm sure that uh, they got to take advantage of that. Yeah, I was definitely. I was going to bring up the uh, the defense with with Elko coming in. You mentioned the Dickey hire, and then Elko. I mean, we, we, we saw his what, – what is it about his scheme that uh, gets players to – is it simple? Is it, does he just have a way of relating to the players? And, and I mean, even Clemson's got a couple of home run hitters on that on that offense. Is that going to be able to limit uh, the Clemson big plays? Yeah, I think that's a real key, Barry. You've got to keep them from making uh, hay on some of these RPOs. And then, you know, we've seen Lawrence throw it deep, and then certainly Kelly Bryant – can break the line of scrimmage any time with his runs too and he's developed as a passer I mean I think he's a little underrated as far as what the country looked at last year because everything he did was compared to the you know to Watson so but I do think in the case of Elko and I always like to see a coach move up the ladder the fact that he coached at a place like Wake Forest I think Clawson's doing a good job there but sometimes when you're undermanned a little bit 
with your defense, you have to come up with more schemes to try to stop some of these better teams. So now that he's moved on to a place like Notre Dame and now A&M where you got better athletes, some of these schemes mess up some of these teams because they, they haven't, they, you know, they've seen more conventional stuff. But he's he's a real basic football coach and knows what he's doing. And it's a really good hire for Jimbo. And I think uh, – as, as they get better guys on the back end, that's going to help them. I like their defensive front, but I think they their secondary has got some issues that maybe Clemson can exploit. Uh, Coach, what worries you about Clemson's offense going on the road in this spot? I mean, obviously, all anyone will remember, you mentioned how Brian has a tough comparison, and that's a great point, with always being compared to Watson. But every obviously everybody just only remembers that dominant performance by Alabama in the Sugar Bowl last year. When you look at, I mean, it's only a little tape, and obviously everybody wants to talk about Lawrence and think that he's going to bring a lot more to the table. What do you expect? What what worries you about Clemson's offense on this on the road in this spot? Well, you always worry about as a coach the the fact that you know stopping yourself with needless penalties, jumping offside mm-hmm. because of the crowd noise, uh, you know, making some uh, silly mistakes, blocking the back, getting behind the chains, and having you know, third and long when it should be second short, you know. So don't stop yourself, number one, and when you're playing on the road. And then, uh, you know, you could have a game like they had against Syracuse last year. I mean, uh, Syracuse uh, kept celebrating that game for seven or eight weeks and forgot to play after it. So, uh, you know, they they won and then didn't win another one. So, uh, But I think they've certainly got more talent than Syracuse in A&M, but – there is a, you know, there's a reason why they made a change there. I don't, I'm not sure uh, all the reasons, but you know, certainly the fact that uh, they want to try to win the conference and catch up with Alabama, and that's a tough deal to to hold. But Alabama's defense last year could do that to a lot of people. You look at so many of those guys in the pros now that played on that team. So I think Kelly's trying to make a statement, and he knows that Lawrence is breathing down his neck and. It's a, it's a situation a lot like uh, we saw with Alabama last year, Steve, that, you know, Tua was breathing down Hurts' neck, but uh, he just couldn't get in the game because he kept winning. But uh, this this Lawrence kid is uh, another generational-type quarterback that uh, certainly gives him a different element with his ability to throw the ball down the field. How how hard is it for, for Dabo the entire offseason you hear – most likely team to reach the college football playoff. You're going to be in the playoff again. You have a chance to win a national championship. You're, you're, you're the odds-on favorite in the ACC. And then the, the season starts, and you see probably the two teams that many people thought would be your two toughest games, uh, Miami and Florida State, look the way they did this weekend. I mean, how tough is it for a coach to just – now you're going on the road, you're a double-digit favorite, but it, it's, it's a tough place to play. You don't really know what you're going to get with it with a new head coach and, and how they're going to respond. It just How tough is it for Dabo just to keep these guys looking one game at a time? Because we've seen them the last couple of years, the last three years, they've lost two regular season games. Both have been as big double-digit favorites against unranked teams. This is the type of game that they've that they've struggled in the last couple of years. That's been the loss, not the, the big Florida State, uh, Miami, Virginia Tech, Auburn showdowns. It's been the unranked team is a big favorite. Well, that's one thing you, you, you always try to draw on your experience as a coach and you, and you try to motivate your guys, but you also give them a reality pill and, and, and put the tape on and say, look, you know, we were in the same position before and uh, look what happened. 
we can point out around the country that so many teams that got knocked off that maybe were supposed to win, you know. So the the big thing with Dabo, he, he his kids, I've watched them practice. You both have too. I mean, they work hard. They got a good scheme. They believe in it. And the, the one thing he's going to dwell on is that, hey, we got a tremendous respect for Jimbo Fisher. We know what it's like. This is a chance for us to maybe restore some of the what the ACC lost the last couple uh, games here that we saw with Miami and Florida State. And, you know, we're Clemson Tigers, and we got to keep on going. And we got a chance to go to the whole uh, shooting match here. This might be a bigger game than it started out to be because of what you mentioned, Bear, because maybe the strength of schedule won't be quite as good for them now that Miami and Florida State might not be as good, although I think both of them will rebound and be a lot better than they looked the other night. But uh, he, he definitely is a master motivator. He's got a tremendous staff. And one of the things that I think the cohesiveness with that staff, the way they act and react during the game, they do a really good job of taking advantage of what you give them and what you take away from them. And uh, I think they've really expanded on the offense since Morris has left. And, uh, you know, they've really done a good job of running the ball and not just throwing it out, throwing it up for grabs all the time. Coach, does Clemson have a tougher time winning than Georgia does? Well, that's a hard question for the old coach here. Now you put me out hey, on the Hey, man, hey, this, this is why you're on now. This yeah, is why yeah. people are still listening. I feel like one of those mockingbirds standing up there on the limb there trying to keep it on one leg, whether I'm going to fall off or not. But, uh, you know, I think from my standpoint, I think uh, Clemson's got a little bit easier uh, situation. It's going to be hard, okay. but I think Clemson's got a, a – you know, and I'm not taking anything away from A&M, but uh, I just know South Carolina's got a little head start on Texas A&M as far as the coach and gotcha. all that and, and been around. So they're, they're both going to be difficult games. There's no question about it. And, and the respect that both staffs have for each other helps both teams get ready too. So, uh, but, but I think Clemson – with their with their firepower and particularly their defense, they're going to be in any game they play. I mean, they're going to create havoc on the other side of the line of scrimmage. All right, Coach, we're going to check that memory. 32 years ago this week, you were an offense coordinator at Oklahoma. You were number one in the country. And an old Minnesota came in. You remember what the score was? 63-7, to seven, wasn't it? <laughs> Even better, 63 to nothing. you put it on them. Uh, we let we didn't let him score. Oh, I never come on, Barry old, didn't let him score. Yeah, I never will forget. Oh, John Gudikins was the coach, and he used to coach against me at Duke. He was a, he was a heck of a coach there at Duke, and then he went up to Minnesota under Lou, and then Lou left to go to Notre Dame, and he became the head coach. And the year before, they had Ricky Foggy, and they almost beat us up there, and then. Troy broke his leg, and we went to the wishbone, and we were out there before the game, and we were talking. He said, boy, we've really improved. We're going to be a lot better and all that, and kept talking. I said, hey, John, I've known you a long time, man, and i tell you this, this is going to be ugly today, but I'm going to try to keep it down. <laughs> this is going to be hard. I said, that strong safety yours weighs about 220. We're going to go out there and break his legs on that roll block. So, it was a lot of fun, but, uh, but you know, John's a good coach, and uh, I think his son's in uh, administration now in the pros and does a good job. But but that was, was that when it was, 32 years ago? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm not going to bring up what happened the next week because I think Felipe... – We lost to Miami down there, and Bear was probably at the game. We fumbled two punts inside the 10 and gave it away. Not what an offensive coordinator wants. And then you, yeah, did, then you ran the eight. table. 
86 was a better team than 85. We won the championship in 85, but 86, we were just uh, unstoppable except for that one game against Miami. And then, then we played uh, Florida. We played. We we didn't get to play for the championship, but Miami and Penn State did. But but I never will forget in the in the uh, down at the uh, we were playing Arkansas in the Orange uh, Bowl. Orange Bowl. And before the game, Jamel Holloway, our quarterback, uh, came up to Switzer and said, hey, if we're kicking their butt at halftime, they got cool in the game. You think we can go out and watch them? <laughs> and so we we watched the halftime there against Arkansas. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, they, they, those were some games. They, what was it? What, 80, 85 to 87, you lost, what, four games, and three of them were to Miami? Yeah, I, yeah we I, lost like, three. We lost three and three all three years every year to Miami the championship in '87 and when Jamel got hurt and then we but they beat us they they, they did a good job Jimmy's national championship team but uh, that was we won 28 straight Big Eight games Bear we were on the roll you know that's pretty strong the old Big Eight can't forget it all right Coach uh, I appreciate you coming on you have any you have any steamers. So should somebody yeah, keep a line, I, their eye on? I had a chance. I had a chance to to look these up, and I knew this would be my one and only shot on this <laughs> oh, show. There we go. Roll <laughs> the maybe dice. Five, maybe five years from now, I'll be back on her. <laughs> but anyhow, I'm going to go with uh, in the library bowl. I'm going to go with uh, certainly a tough get two really good coaches. But I'm going to go with Northwestern minus three over uh, Duke. I'm going to go with Stanford over USC just for you because USC is one and four against the spread against Stanford. And then in a big time steamer condo pick that you can bet your condo on, I'm going to go with Boise State minus 30 over UConn. Love those double digit steamers, coach. Nothing like it. All right. It's fun to be with you guys and appreciate what you guys do for college football. It's a lot of fun listening to you and watching you. And a lot of respect for both of you. Bear, I mentioned the coach, uh, that Georgia game is, is, they're up to 10 point, 10 point favorite. The over under is 55. I mean, it, it just feels really, really sticky, man. Like, and, and the, here's one thing I will say about the difference. Normally you're just failing SEC, you know, um, emotion, crowd, big road game. The, the home team's the underdog, obviously, and you feel low scoring. To me, I would lean towards the over because, I know what I'm getting at the quarterback position on both sides, and I, I mentioned how I watched Georgia back again. That that Fromm's got some, got a plenty of toys to play with, man. So I I just think with turnovers, the O lines I think might be a little undermanned. So you could get some, you know, scooped scores, sack scooped scores, pick sixes. You know, wait if if there is pressure, tip balls. I would lean towards the over in an unconventional, you know, SEC division game. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I thought that'd be a little bit more of a. I thought the line might go the other way in this one, where uh, South Carolina would be taking more money, um, just coming off of how they performed last week, and just a little bit uncertainty. Georgia on the road, but that, that's a lot of respect for for Georgia as a, a double digit favorite on the road uh, at a place where they've they struggled in the in the past. I mean. I mean, it's, there there have been some much worse South Carolina teams that have given them uh, a bit more difficulty than they would have liked there. I, I still think talent-wise, uh, I still don't think there's any comparison. But uh, that's 
That's a, I, I know you said you like the over. You go back and look at the recent scores of this game, this, this game though. Uh, they, they tend to be more lower scoring, more defense. And I think with two, uh, defensive minded head coaches who knows, who know each other so well, uh, I think, I think I'm, I'd be on the opposite side of this one with you. Uh, thinking this might be a little bit more lower scoring than, uh, one might think. Okay. Uh, and if I had to lean towards a side, I, I, I would take the home team. I, I think I would. I think it's, I talked to some, uh, NFL scouts and they really, really like some of the sophomores and juniors on South Carolina's, you know, back end of the, of their, of their defense. And with that though, I just, I, it just comes down to tackling and open in, in space. And that's what I think George is going to do. And I'm just, I don't feel confident in the consistency of tackling across the board in the sport. So I would, I would lean, I would lean towards South Carolina on the side. Uh, would you? Uh, you're, we're, we're, we're both in, in, in pick em pools. Who, who are you taking in this one? I would probably, <clears throat> I'd probably lay the 10. Okay. J- just because I, I think, I feel more confident in Georgia offensively. Okay. Than I do South Carolina right now with this. Now that's not saying that. At the end of the and Saturday, I might feel completely differently, but uh, I need to see South Carolina do it against someone other than other than the shots. Okay. I mean, now maybe 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 they will, but you, uh, you hit on that not to get on a, a soliloquy or a tangent, no. but the tackling in, in the sport in general. I, I think the new the targeting rules and everything. Everybody is freaked out, has no idea what the heck they're doing. They're so worried about committing penalties now that I think that's a big problem in. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Gotcha. Um, looking at Clemson, you think uh, Lawrence plays more than Fields does for Georgia? No, I don't. Really? No, uh, I think I think Dabo going on the road. Look, Dabo a couple of years back started started Clint Stout on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not, I just said his dad's name, but um, he started him on the road at Florida State when he had. Deshaun Watson on the bench. Now Watson obviously came in in that game and and took over, but it took a while. Uh, I think Dabo is very loyal to to an upperclassman who's been there, and, and I think from watching a little bit of that game back too. I mean Lawrence is going to be a star, but I, I think this might be a game in a spot where the experience of Kelly Bryant. I, I think Dabo and, and Venables and those guys might think that they can win this game alone with their defense and Kelly Bryant. Uh, being efficient and Travis Etienne making making as, as many big plays as he can, I think that I, I think they feel that they can win this game uh, just by doing that and not taking a chance at at, at a freshman coming in and maybe uh, making an uncharacteristic big mistake in, in in a game that they might not need. It's up to Clemson minus twelve and the over under is fifty four and a half. It feel this one feels like an under game to me. Yes, right. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that's a really high talk. I wouldn't. I wouldn't screw with the side because this could be. I mean, shoot, twelve. If if you like A and M, you might even get it a little bit more because because I, I think Clem people think Clemson is that much better. But yeah, fifty four and a half. That seems that seems pretty high. How, how is A and M scoring more than twenty one points? And you're saying thirty four twenty one is basically what the what what, what the number is telling you. That that, that seems. Really high scoring. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm on the under in this one for sure, and even more so when you when you compare the two games. 
Uh, all right, so that's the two big games of the weekend. I know your fans out there are going to say your team's games are bigger than those, but that's what we chose uh, to preview <laughs> for the big games. Uh, we will be back with our picks after this. All right, before we get to our picks, just want to remind people, it's been a long off season without football, but FanDuel has spent it getting into the best shape of their lives. That means this, FanDuel is ready for more, more ways to play, more ways to challenge your friends, and most importantly, more ways to win. If you're not a daily fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play. They have all kinds of contests for just the casual fans. In particular, beat the score contests are great because they pay out everyone who hits a certain score. So all you have to do is finish in the money to split an equal share of the cash. And FanDuel also has new options for playing daily fantasy with your friends. Because the only thing better than winning cash is winning your friend's cash. Best of all, FanDuel is doing their part to make the preseason bearable with preseason fantasy contests running up to week one of the NFL. Right now, you can get a $20 bonus when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Behind the Bets. Agent state restrictions apply. All right, Bear. Uh, now it's time for the nitty-gritty. Um, I'm just going to go right off the cusp here. I'm going to lay my not-confident picks out there. Uh, I'm going to start with one of the first games you see when you pull up the slate. Uh, it's going to be Liberty and Army. Uh, Liberty uh, made famous last week by Van Pelt giving him out. I am sad to admit that I watched that Liberty be- game because – he gave them out on uh, winners this past <laughs> week uh, as they went to Old Dominion in an in-state battle and just gave it to Old Dominion. Uh, I look at a totally different scenario. I watched Army against Duke last week, impressed with Duke. Um, but also, Army is Army. And I think Liberty might be feeling themselves a little bit too much after a big win. You know, they're, obviously they're back up as an independent playing, you know, Division One ball. Uh, Army's a whole different animal. I could see that Liberty bus going up those mountains up into Mikey Stadium and uh, them just not being ready for what is that Army offense. I know Army's giving a lot, I, but I like how it's going from 12 down to 9.5. That means uh, I think people are just looking at the scores from last week. So I'm going to take Army to cover the 9.5 against Liberty. A little, a little bit of a week, week one to week, your regression there, uh, as well, maybe for Liberty, first full time mm. FBS game in state rival last week. You could be, uh, you could be on the right side there. I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't talk you or anybody uh, off of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, um, disagree with, uh, our friend, Mr. Jim Donnan, uh, from mm. pick that he gave out a little while back. Uh, I like Duke in the Northwestern game, Duke getting the field goal. Uh, I know there's big revenge at stake for Northwestern after Duke and Daniel Jones really put it on them uh, last year. But this is a situation where, where Duke, I think you look at how Miami uh, played the other night. They get Virginia Tech at home. I think this is a chance where Duke could get a little bit of confidence and really believe that they're a contender in the ACC Coastal. Um, and, and I think if you can go on the road, win an early season non-conference game like this, that, that would be – uh, just the recipe. I mean, this is a situation where uh, David Cutcliffe's teams typically play well. Uh, if you go back the last 14 games, they've been an underdog, four points or fewer. Mm-hmm. They're 12 and two against the number 10 and four straight up. Uh, I think they're live here too. I, 
I love both head coaches, but I, I think David Cutcliffe is a uh, is a plus coach uh, in basically any matchup out there. Uh, I think their defense is really good, and I don't think Northwestern will find it as easy to score uh, points as it did last week against a really inexperienced Purdue team. All right, uh, I'm with. I hope so for that one. I, I gave out Duke as the season totals at the beginning of the year at six. Uh, I like the over there. And I did mention then that I thought they might start one and two as they have this game at Northwestern and then next week at Baylor, who's a very improved team. So if Duke could get this one, that would be huge uh, when you look at the forecast uh, for the season and the win total. Uh, next, I'm going to go to the alma mater, and I just keep looking at this line inflating. And I I get that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I call him Jaws with two J's if you want to get that out there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure people like that as a nickname. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. See? All right. I like you paying attention. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I, I looked at as, a, as a desperation, as, as desperation plays. Uh, they turned the whole game around. Yes. But San Diego State just said, Bryce Love, you're not doing it. And San Diego State just doesn't have the talent, I think, overall as a defense that SC does. And they just throw, you know, jump ball, star, Sega white side. Uh, I, I, and San Diego State's offense is putrid, and they still rush for over 100 yards in the first half against Stanford. I still think there's some over, uh, there's some holes on that Stanford defense. Uh, and I think SC learned a lot about themselves. You know, obviously, that's Daniels at the freshman quarterback, uh, playing a, a team about UNLV, who you were on, um, you know, who got, got a lot of points. It was a close game, uh, but I think UNLV's a, a, a good team. Uh, this year. I'm not saying they're great, but it was a good team, and I think SC learned a lot. I think Stanford probably wins the game by a field goal, so this is up to five. I'll take USC here because uh, I, I don't, I, I just look at the versatility of Stanford's offense, and I still don't see it in order to win by, you know, a touchdown or more. So I'll, I'll take the five with SC here. If, it, if it's gone up to five already, yeah. that, that, that tells me that there's probably a a six in the future as well, just with, with Daniels going on the, uh, the road for, mm-hmm. for, for the first time and conference game and, uh, that, that UNLV game being close than I think people expected and, and SC having the injury that, that, that tells me that that number probably will go up. So I think if you like SC like Steve does, you might even be able to get a better number. Uh, remember last year, this number went, went, went ballistic. Like, oh. it, it came all the way down to like SC minus two or something like that mm-hmm. or three. And, and then the game was never in doubt in the regular season. And of course, the, uh, the Pac-12 championship game was a, uh, was, was a great game. Mm. Uh, I'm going to stay with one team in the, uh, in the conference champions, non-conference matchup this week. Uh, I like, I like Houston laying the four against Arizona. Uh, that, that re- Arizona's performance last week really worried me. Uh, Khalil Tate didn't look like the same player he did last year. Now maybe they'll make some adjustments and maybe they'll incorporate a little bit more run into that offense, but he carried the ball eight times for 14 yards, completed 50% of his passes against what was a really bad BYU defense last year. Now, now maybe the Cougars are improved, but I don't know how good Arizona is up front. Yeah. And I I think that could be a problem with that Oliver and that Houston defense. Uh, We, we know how Houston plays so well uh, against these power five opponents. I mean, they won seven of the last eight uh, covering seven of the last eight chance for them to 
really make a splash. I know they fell behind uh, Rice last week, and then they woke up and scored the final 28 points of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to be the Houston you see this week. Kind of slept walk through a, a game that we were a team where they really overmatched. This, this is the game that they want to win. They were a favorite last year in Tucson. Won the game. It was a lower scoring game than I think a lot of people thought it might be. But uh, I like the Cougars laying the four at home. A uh, couple things on that. I don't like. I didn't like what I saw from Tate on the sidelines. You know, just like, yeah, you're going to be frustrated, man. Like this team has had all offseason and game plan for you. Like, just you know, get it together, have confidence. And I, I just didn't like what I saw there in, in that in that instance. Um, and then the other side, I talked to some guys, uh, you know, on the Rice staff, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. they used to coach at Stanford and they were just blown away at Ed Oliver and how his, the ability he has where you think he's, you have him blocked and he just runs plays down at the line of scrimmage. And like, I mean, they're like, whoever passes on him is really going to be mad on draft <laughs> night. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. Um, but, uh, it, that, that game fascinates me, man. I tweeted about it last night. Like, who had who had Houston favored by more than a field goal in that game before the season? No one, not one person. Everyone so, had everyone had Arizona as like a trendy. Yeah. Not everyone, but a lot of people thought they were a trendy sleeper in that mm-hmm. Pac-12 South, and they, they sure as heck didn't look like last week. Yeah, a lot, lot, lot of paper left in the season, but uh, uh, I, I think Arizona the the. After week one, that arrow might be trending down just a little bit. Not to say they can't reverse it, but I, I have some. I have a little bit. I have some concerns. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go to another one that you know is a team that was talked about plenty of uh, of times in the off season. You know, are they back? Are they ready to go? And that's Texas. Oh, I thought it was. My, I thought you were talking about Miami for a second. No, no, no I'm not going there. I'm not, <laughs> not going to be that guy. I'm sure you got enough of that. Uh I'm going to go uh, Texas and Tulsa. Uh, I just go off principle here. I, I don't know what it is with that Texas offense. I just don't. Like, it just it feels like herky-jerky. There's no smoothness to us. There's no flow. Like, you know, they, they, they go down, I think they were down 20 to um, to Maryland, and then, you know, they get a couple drives, they take the lead, and then they can't do anything. And I know there was a weather delay and all that stuff. But I just, I'm not sold on it yet. And I'm, I feel bad because I'm going to the USC Texas game next week. So I, I look at Tulsa as just a team that's going to be able to score. And Texas defense did not blow me away. I know they lost talent on that side of the ball to the draft and what have you. But I look at Tulsa getting 23 points here. Um, you know, Tulsa is going to be up for this game. They've all, you know, look at opportunities to play the big boys. And I'm not saying Tulsa is going to win the game. Um, but I think they could keep it close, and I think 23 points is a lot here, and I think Texas, in the combination of the sandwich here of having a hangover from Maryland, but also knowing they have a huge spot with USC where they could get a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, good vibes back with a win over possibly USC. I just look at Tulsa with 23 here, and I'll take them. Yeah, we, we, we've seen Tulsa overmatched uh, on a couple of occasions against some Big 12 teams, but, uh, you do hit on an interesting point that I, I think Tulsa is an offense that uh, can score some points. So I'd probably be on that side with you if I uh, 
had to play that game. Thank you. Uh, w- one team that I was high on a season win total of over five and a half is in the uh, escape last week was UL Monroe. Mm. I mean, they were a big favorite against an in-state team. And, and I think a lot of times in, in, in week one, uh, maybe it takes a the, – the, I think – and you mentioned this as well, the improvement from week one to week two. Mm. I, I think maybe they underestimated uh, the FCS opponent. Uh, maybe the, the, FC, the, the FCS team saw a team to knock off FBS foe from the same state. So I, I think there are reasons to think UL Monroe can can play better this week. I know Southern Miss blew out Jackson State. As bad as things were last year for UL Monroe on defense, uh, they gave up a bunch of yards, 219 on the ground, to uh, Ito Smith, who's now with the Atlanta Falcons, so he's gone. Hmm. Uh, they, they held you at Southern Miss 28 points. So uh, I think they can do a better job uh, defensively than they did last year. Uh, I think Caleb Evans and the offense, they're, they're going to get some points, uh, whether it's enough to win outright. I don't know, but I, I would uh, I would side towards taking uh, UL Monroe plus the uh, points, plus the six here. I, I think a lot of times you see some, in a lot of instances, and I have a feeling with a couple of other picks as well, you get a little bit of an overreaction week one seeing a team maybe struggle as a big favorite. Oh, no, look, they're really not going to be very good. Or, wow, we overrated them. And then I think week two, a lot of times the team will come out uh, and, and play a lot better. So uh, hopefully that will be the case here, here this week with Monroe. Totally off the board here, Bear. If Rutgers and Oregon State were playing this week, what would you, what would you make the line? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Um... At least Oregon State showed some offensive capability last week on the road against a really good team. Mm-hmm. Where's the game? Where, where are we playing it? Uh, in Columbus. Rutgers, <laughs> <laughs> Rutgers, Oregon State on the undercard at the shoe. I would, I'd maybe make Oregon State one. Okay. All right. So you're you're feeling the same as as uh, as the, as the as the guys out in the desert because I just. I just look at like I, I just it's the same game or Ohio State's minus thirty five plus you know they're playing Rutgers this week I, I, you know scored seventy seven last week to cover against Oregon State God if you had Oregon State and you scored thirty one points you had to feel like you were going to cover that game right Oh I had Ohio State minus the the yeah. thirty nine but I know it's like oh my or I'm like I would not have thought Oregon State would ever get a cover with Oregon State scoring 31 points. But uh, we, we talked about last week how we thought that Ohio State offense was going to be much better this year and doing the things that Kevin Wilson wanted to do offensively uh, with Haskins. And I think they showed that that indeed is going to be the case. All right. Uh, I'm going to go to a game that probably not a lot of people are going to watch. I think they're the worst team in all of football. That's UTEP. <laughs> do you disagree? Uh, it's hard not. It's hard not to agree. <laughs> uh, you know, another loss last week. Um, they're playing UNLV this week. We obviously talked about. By, by the way, you, you you probably know. I might ask this as a trivia question. Uh, I don't want to embarrass you. You you know who the UTEP head coach is, correct? I do. Oh man, he was an assistant last year. I remember watching a game, and he's he, been a longtime assistant, and he was a former head coach in the Mountain West. Actually, they might have been the way. Well, no, they, they were Mountain West then. Oh my lord! I watched. It. He, he was he coached in a bowl game. I think. 
Was Dana he at Dimmel. Kansas? He was at Kansas State, yep. wasn't he? Dana Dimmel used to be at Kansas State. Okay, I was a Wyoming head coach. Yep. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, I look at UNLV <laughs> playing uh, UTEP. Now, I'm just hoping for a touchdown from uh, UTEP here. The line's over 20, 23 and a half, I think, but the over under is 55. I think UNLV can score 50 themselves. Um, they rush for over 300 against SC, and now people are going to say, why do you like SC if they're playing Stanford? I just think UNLV with that spread and Armani Rogers is a different animal, you know, in the first game. SC's going to be able to load the box against Stanford. Um, when you look at, uh, the rushing defenses, but, I think UNLV is legit, man. I think they have legit talent on offense, and I think they run away with this game. I think they could score 50. If if UTEP could score one touchdown for me, that would be nice. So we're going to go UNLV, UTEP over 55. Yeah, and UNLV left some points on the board there in that game on Saturday oh, they as well. sure so. did. We got dicey. I should say dicey. Like It went from, oh, this is automatic, you know, close one-score game to – Oh boy, it's at twenty-two. What's going to happen here? Yeah, so that one it was dicey. Um, so I I got one more bear. What do you got left? I got three more. Whoa! So you you want me to Give you want me, me two to go? More. Let's go. Say, I'll go 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 two, and then we'll go back to you. Yep. Uh, I will take Arkansas State plus the thirty-seven Ooh, like uh, at Alabama. It's solely a play on the situation. Uh-huh. Uh, you go back to two thousand eleven. Last thirteen times, Bama has been a twenty-eight point favorite. Uh, versus an, an FBS non-conference opponent, mm-hmm. they're one ten and two against the number. Uh, that cover wow. came against Kent State a couple of years ago when I had the Golden Flashes, <laughs> plus I think forty three it was, and uh, I think it was forty eight or forty nine nothing. And Kent State had a, a touchdown call back by a, a booth review in the uh, mm, uh, in, in the fourth quarter, that. so I wasn't happy about that. I believe that was um, on bad beats. <laughs> Arkansas State, by the way, is is a good group of five team. Yeah, uh, Justice Hanson's a really good quarterback, and I think I think they get just enough. Uh, I think I think two touchdowns will cover it for sure. So uh, maybe something along the lines of forty eight fourteen, forty five fourteen. Uh, Saban typically doesn't embarrass uh, and run it up. I mean, maybe just their second unit will be so much better that he won't be able to help himself, but. But I think Arkansas State plus the the huge number just on principle of the trend in the track record of Alabama and Saban in these games is uh is worth a play. Who's the quarterback behind Hertz? Mac, you're going to see a lot of Mac Jones. All right, that's, what uh, I was that's, a, say. that's a that's a great point. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see how the Hertz thing plays out, but but I think you're going to see a lot of Mac Jones. All right, uh, there you go. Is there? Oh, go ahead. You have another one. Go. Uh, give me, uh, give me Fresno State. Uh, getting two, getting two and a half at Road Minnesota. Boat. The boat. I, I, I think the boat was much improved, uh, week one. Didn't, but I, didn't I think, Fresno, sorry to cut you off. Didn't Fresno almost score like 80 last week? Yeah, it was like 77 nothing or whatever it was against Idaho. <laughs> but, but uh, we saw Minnesota last week, uh, run up and down and, and beat up on New Mexico State. And I think after two weeks, we, we can, we, we, we see, uh, New Mexico State as a team that is, uh, Nowhere near uh, what it was last year, losing all those guys on offense. Mm. But uh, I like Fresno. I like Tedford in this spot. They were seven and zero last year as a, as a dog under Tedford. Won four of the games outright, uh, and I thought maybe they were a candidate to regress 
uh, this year. Maybe last year was a bit of a fluke, but it certainly didn't look like that uh, defensively and offensively. Like I said, I know it's an FCS team now in Idaho, but uh, with, with with the track record from last year, the improvement, I'm still not – I need to see Minnesota do it against someone who I think is a little bit better uh, than New Mexico State. So g- give me the Ted Heads plus the uh, – the, the, the two and a half in, in Minnesota to pull the outright win. I'll tell you what, the Mountain West is is really, really intriguing to me this year. Because as much as I watched that, that Boise-Troy game, and I know people are looking at Boise, and we heard Coach Donnie give him out against UConn, and, and Rippon gets all this stuff. Troy gave him that. I mean, they just, with turnovers, it was just brutal. Um, so I, I, I look at the Mountain West as an as opportunity for some other team. I mean, Wyoming did lose to Wazoo, but still, I think they're going to be a force in conference. Wow, well, it was twenty. You, you lead twenty to nineteen, yeah. and then or 19, 19, 13, rather, and yeah, you, the third that third and four drop, and then the big hit I mean, cost them cost them potentially a touchdown. And after that, it just went twenty one nothing in the fourth. Yeah, yeah, credit credit Wazoo for uh, for making the plays and coming back on the road in a game that uh, Wyoming certainly for uh, for for thirty thirty five minutes or so. Wyoming certainly. Uh, had their way and, and very easily could have won that game. But Wazoo stepped up in the second half and uh, yeah. made some plays. Yeah, it, for sure. Uh, if I was going to tell you, is there? Uh, let's just put it this way: Are there? Could there be more opposites of teams than Air Force in Florida Atlantic? <laughs> in, in in every aspect of football, life, coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding about the church thing. Um, I just look at this as, as like, I could see how Lane is really obviously frustrated last week. They, they were pretty confident thinking they, they could score, you know, go back and forth with Oklahoma last week. That did not happen, but the over did come in. Thank God. Um, but then I look at how, I don't know, anxious, um, nervous he could be, even though he is this big, you know, bad bravado, you know, you know, bolstering guy. And, you know, not afraid of anybody and, you know, likes to play the bully. But, man, it's going to be hard to do against Air Force. Uh, that option, uh, I remember watching FAU last year. I know it was the beginning of the, of the season. But, they, you know, Navy did what they wanted on offense. And Navy, I want to say, turned it over on some punt returns that only kept that game closer than it really was. Uh, but I look at Air Force going down, going down to Boca this week. They're catching nine and a half. Uh, people, I think, are going to – are looking at the at the at the over in this game. I I actually went back and looked. The under is six and two in the last eight home games for Florida Atlantic. So I just look at Florida Atlantic wanting to score all these points, but Air Force just keeping the ball, moving the chains, and 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 getting sevens uh, instead of threes because they have the ability. I mean, Florida Atlantic has skill guys. We know this. He's done a great job getting transfers and all that. But as you saw last week, they don't have anything up front. And I think Air Force has their way with them, uh, keeping the ball away from that, uh, owl offense. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Air Force here to keep it, uh, within, uh, 10 points. And I'll take the nine and a half with the Falcons. And the big year for Air Force coming off of last year's yeah. disappointing slate. So this could be, uh, uh, a game that, 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 that Troy and that staff and those players have circled to, to, to really yeah. show that the direction of the season is going to change. Uh, I, I, I like that. I agree with you on that one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've saved the best for last. Okay. Like, like, last week, you, you and your boy got to say, give me liberty or give me debt. <laughs> 
Gimme Kansas plus four and a half yes. against Central Michigan. Yes. Who loves bad teams? This guy. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the loss against Nickel State sounds awful, but it's really not as bad as the numbers might say. I mean, Nickel State was a team that last year gave A&M all it could handle in College Station. Two years ago, they gave Georgia all it could handle between the hedges. I mean, they're, they're a good, they're a good FCS team. Uh, if you look at the Sagarin ratings, uh, Kansas is 127, Central Michigan is 124, Nichols is 138. So there's a really good chance Nichols would have beaten Central Michigan if they played last week as well. Uh, I think people might have seen that close score uh, for a while between Central and Kentucky, but you, you look inside the numbers. Uh, Central Michigan, their offense completely new from last year. They had just 255 yards in the game. Kentucky turned it over four times. Now, hey, look, Kansas is certainly capable of turning the ball over a bunch as a team that's not a, not a great team by any means. But uh, if you go from plus four to, to plus one or, or zero or even negative, uh, I don't know how many points Central Michigan is going to be able to score. So uh, give, me, give me Kansas in this spot. I, I think they'll play better th- this week, everything that's gone on off the field or reevaluating the football program and just kind of, oh, here we go again. I, I think maybe getting away, going on the road in, in a spot where uh, there, there's there's no pressure on them now. People have just already written them off. Uh, this could be a spot where they um, where they potentially get a win. So I'll, I'll take I'll take the Jayhawks plus the four and a half. The Roadhawks. Let's get on the road, Kansas. Uh, you're not worried by the line movement in this. Open at seven, down to four and a half. No, okay. Actually, that's that does surprise me that there's been uh, yeah that the, that the lines come down, but I I think that I think that's probably good money. All right, I like it. Uh, we did forget to give the people our money line picks last week, and people are not happy about that. Uh, do you have one for the people this week? Well, I gave I gave you a bunch of dogs there, so yeah. I mean, I, I guess um if uh. Do we, do we want something other than um other a, a game other than the the games I gave out there? Yeah. Or do we just want yeah. Okay. What do you think of Arizona State? That that's one that certainly <laughs> could stick out because like they still got talent. They, they sure they, do. Michigan Shoot. State Michigan State's one of those teams that we talked about with with, with USC mm-hmm. and your Monroe that team that just didn't play well. Where we're closer than expected week one, and then you get a big jump from to, to week two. So uh, Michigan State might be one of those. I think Dino and those guys might have. Uh, yeah, you give chance. Arizona State a better shot to win than Pitt. Um. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. All right. How about uh, how about Nevada? Plus Ooh. the nine against Vandy. Now, 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 this, this isn't, isn't, this isn't rooting for your Vandy under, is it? No, 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 it's not. <laughs> I, I think Nevada was a team that was on the improve late last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, Vandy was favored last week. It's a matchup that has really favored them the last few years. There was a situation where the last three years they've been a field goal favorite against a middle and, and they won and covered all of those. So uh, I think the familiarity with that opponent will help. Uh, I think Nevada plus the nine, I, I give them a, a good chance potentially going on the road nooner in uh, in Nashville. Ooh, that's good info so, uh, right there. So we'll uh, good g- info. Give, give me give me Wolfpack two words. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna go. 
God, am I going to go another service academy? Because I like Navy, because that line keeps going up. Um, Yeah, let's go Navy against Memphis. Well, how about our guy Bill Snyder? You had a number on him? Oh, he, he, this is the uh, this is the, the Bill Snyder uh, <clears throat> underdog special, right? Yeah. Last five times, a home dog of at least eight points. Covered all five, four of them being one-score games, including last year, 15-point dog against OU. Lost by seven, Auburn, SEC team going there a few years back. Eight-and-a-half-point home dog, lost by six. First action of the year for uh, for Nick Fitzgerald. We'll see um, We'll see how the Bulldogs travel from uh, Stark Vegas to uh, to Manhattan. I guess I, I worry, again, Kansas State is another team that you're, we're going to know a little bit more about. Like, nearly losing at home last week. Um I don't know if Billy Snyder has him laying in the weeds or if that's a uh, an indicator of uh, maybe this not being one of the better Kansas State teams. What do you make of, you think Northern Illinois, how bad they played last week against Iowa, gets Utah coming in? You like that at all? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think. That's a lot of points, Yeah, it, man. It, it, it is a lot of points. And Utah's and got Washington Utah's coming got in Washington next week. Utah's got Washington next week, exactly. This is uh, in the way how, how poorly Northern Illinois played last week. Yeah, coming home, that, that is a lot of points. Yeah. And now I'll give you one other one. I, I I'd watch out uh, for the Hoosiers. I, uh, Virginia coming in is just it's just a weird game with two teams. You don't know which way the season's going to go yet. And I was uh, impressed with Indiana last week. Yeah, they, they I, went. They 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 handled. I mean, I know the the whole, the whole bad backdoor that, that was oh. ridiculous. But they they had that game under control, start to finish. Yeah, um, and they made the right call, a quarterback with the uh, with with Peyton Ramsey. Yeah, love the kid. Um, but Virginia, I just I feel like they can't be that bad again. I mean, they competed last year. I know they lost a quarterback, but uh, we'll see. And then the one that scares me is Colorado with a game under their belt going to Lincoln. I think, and Montez is as talented as there is in the Pac-12. When you look at quarterbacks, um, I the Nebraska. I mean, it's a, I, I expect a high scoring game, but I mean that number is almost getting up to seventy now. So that that's a great game to keep an, keep your eye on to get a feel for the Huskers as everybody wanted to watch them last week and, and get a as, chance. As I said to when people were looking at the Colorado score from last week, I said, "I'm getting excited." I'm like, "But my, my takeaway from that is Colorado State is really bad." <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good point. Good point. How, how about how about Hawaii? By the way, could go three and zero if they could beat Rice this week. Just wish we could get them ranked. Two, just rank them. They're going to be they're going to be the only team that's three and zero. Just rank. Just put them twenty five. Like, well, how seven, does that hurt? How does that hurt anybody? Make them twenty five. Seventeen point dog win. Thirteen point dog win. Now you're a seventeen point favorite against uh, Bloomy and the Owls. Uh, you taking um, you, you still want the Big Ten East versus the SEC West after Week One or no? Yes. Not not worried. Nope. Not, not worried. Think no. it's a little bit of a, just a slow start. No. And, LSU's right. getting a little too much credit. Miami gave him that game. You know that. Oh yeah. Well, let's let, let's see what happens there. All right. Uh, why don't you take us out of here with your uh, greatest thing ever made? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, was, it wasn't the, uh, the the case last week for me, but uh, you uh, you had a great week. You had a good week in the column as well. And uh, and if you listen to you guys, it certainly rang true. Uh, uh, the less you bet, the more you lose when you win. Thanks for listening to Behind the Bets. You can listen and subscribe on the ESPN app or download and listen on Apple Podcasts.